What's up, gang? Welcome back. The party's back for the stock market after a couple of weeks of shit. We're back in business, at least for now. We'll get to that in a hot second. But uh, we're back on the... Well, I guess I'm, I'm always traveling. I'm in New York. I'm in Palm Springs right now, coming to you from the Ritz-Carlton. I say that not to be a flex, but because um, I'm not paying for this stay. It's part of my, my, uh, my corporate hustle, if you will as I bounce around the country representing a certain automotive brand that I don't mention because, hey, they don't pay me for that and, and no one cares, to be honest. And um, I don't want to get fired <laughs> for any reason if I say anything. I don't say any bad things about them, but I'd, uh, I'd just like to keep that separation of church and state, if you will. But anyways, I say that because, you know, if I post stuff on my social media as I do traveling, I get a lot of comments and messages, especially this week. People send me things just being like, yo, how do you how do you live this life? How do you do this? You're always doing all these things like, you know, um, going to nice restaurants, traveling around. And and here's the biggest thing to that. Well, have rich friends. That's that's to be honest. <laughs> I mean, your network is your net worth. And uh, I will say that's a big, big part of it. Um, but and I, I say this a lot on this show is, like, hey, I'm by no means broke myself. But if I go to lunch with a friend of mine that's worth north of $2 million, um, I'm not reaching for my wallet, really. I don't. And here's the thing. All those friends of mine in that world, I'm not friends with them because of that. A lot of those people, too, I was friends with way before they had the money. Um, and so and I, I don't talk like I'm, I'm friends with a ton of millionaires. Really, just three of like the four people I talk to on a regular basis just happen to be. And um I think it, it just goes to show, like, again, I've known these people for a long time. They always had good heads on their shoulders. They went and they worked hard and they were successful. So it's no surprise. But I say this because it is a big part of it. Like when I go out to a lot of these dinners, you know, I'm with one of my good friends who does very well. So it's a big, big part of it. Um, have like I am by far the brokest of all my friends. I say that a lot. Um, and and I'm, you know, again, not not hurting. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm I'm <laughs> rich or anything like that. That's insane. But um, you know, on the right track, I finally hit a, a big financial goal this last year that I've been I've had in sight for a few years. So, you know, things are going well. But again, living this life, I'm able to. It was, it was by design. You know, doing comedy for so long, it can be tough to make consistent money. I was doing it for a minute, but it was stressful. So I was able to go into you know, making more money doing these engagements for automotive brands, tech companies at trade shows, auto shows, all that kind of stuff. And so that was, I was able to build a lot of cash to invest, still do while still doing comedy around the, the country as I'm able to. And then I can use my flights that are paid by my corporate hustle to extend trips and to um, fly in and out places. I can extend my flights in and out. So I'm not paying flights. If I want to, if I need to go for a corporate job, maybe I'll stay an extra week or two and do comedy or, or book extra shows. And then I'm not paying the flight cost. And in a lot of these cities, I'm usually, usually honestly, I'm past the point of staying with someone as a favor because I would rather just like pay for an Airbnb. I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, look, I appreciate that you're trying to help me out here, but I'll go ahead and spend the money and not have to talk to anybody when I get home. And it's not because I don't want to talk to anyone. I just don't want to have to. You see, it's a big difference. Um, and so when you're traveling and, and on the road, and if you're doing something like an event all day or doing shows, you don't. Yeah, you want to hang out, but you also want to have, be it on your on your own time, your own schedule, your own decision. Not like, hey, I come home and I have to feel obligated to hang out with you because I'm staying at your place for free, which is true. So, um. I try not to be in that because that can be annoying, 
But like I said, even doing that, if I'm if I'm getting my hotel covered and flight covered, I can stay. You know, I can stay in New York for a month and for half the cost of what people are paying rent there. So that's a quick little tip onto how I do that stuff because people see that and they're like, damn, like, what are you doing? Like, how much money you got? And it's like, yeah, I, I mean, look, I live a lot fancier life than my income level. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty nifty actually gotten, gotten good at it, but it's just because of like the, the, the job that I have, the friends that I have, and it just kind of worked out that way. And, and like I and there's value to being a good hang, you know, people, if you, Hey, if you have good friends that are, that do well and they want to hang out with you, they'll, Hey, they'll pay for your dinner to hang out with you. Being a good hang is valuable. I'm providing a service. Okay. I'm fun to hang out with. Damn it. So that's my point. That's, that's kind of why that, that exists. I want to make sure to, to lay that out there. So get yourself some rich friends, you know, or just hang on to the friends you have that, you know, or have a good head on their shoulders because they'll turn it around at some point and be successful. But it is, it is very true though, that your network is your, is your net worth. And so if you're hanging around with a lot of people who are broke, not really safe, like all my fr- close friends invest heavily. There's no one I talk to on a regular basis who isn't like a he- heavy investor. So, and I don't know. It's like, I want to say that I didn't, it's not by design, but it's just like, I didn't choose that on purpose, but it's just as I, as I move forward in my life, I just find myself hanging around with people that only do that. And, and again, a lot of my friends have started to get bigger into it, but not all of them, but it's just weird how that, 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 that happens. Um, and then to tag on that, you know, I make my money multiple ways throughout the year. There's a, you know, two main ways I make my money. So, but like, well, not like three really, but like my point being a lot of, a lot of people who I talk on this show about how I used to be an accountant at a, you know, a big, bad law, law, not law firm, uh, uh, accounting firm, big four accounting firm. And so, you know, great job, you know, on the fast track to a hundred thousand dollars right out of college in 2009. So, you know, great money, great money now even, but especially in 09. But it, my point being is like, there's a lot of ways to make good money. Like, you know, I, sp- I go spend the month of New York, uh, month of New York, the month of December in New York. I can't talk right now. It's been a long day. All right. Long day for me, at least. I don't know about yourselves, but I spend the month of December in New York the last few years because me and a bunch of actor friends, I'm not an actor, but theater friends in New York started a Christmas tree business. They started it 11 years ago. I've been with them for a handful of years now, helping run this tree stand in Manhattan. And it's amazing. I mean, it seems crazy and it seems like the weirdest thing where like, wait, you, you sell Christmas trees. Yeah. We deliver them. We drive around the city on electric trikes, uh, tree riders, NYC. That's the name of the company. Look it up on Instagram, all that good stuff. And we sell trees to Manhattan, all in the East village run second Ave between 10th and 11th street. We go through, I mean, within the first week and a half, we'd sold more trees this year than all of last year. We go through well over 2000 trees a year. I think it's like 22, maybe even 2,500 depending, but it's a lot. Um, weekends, busy days, we're going through 200 trees and, and delivering a lot of them. Not, you know, we're not going to deliver hundred trees a day, but we deliver a good chunk of trees and deliver them to a lot of, you know, big people. Alec Baldwin came to the tree stand a couple of, like a week ago, week and a half ago. So if you Google, uh, Alec Baldwin at the tree stand, a Christmas tree stand, like his, his wife, his wife, Hilaria posted the picture. Like, uh, my buddy Jeremy took all those photos. He sold them their tree and, um, it was cool. Super nice guy. Of course, every time I mentioned that people immediately bring up, uh, the shooting on the rust film and, and, and they make some hack joke. They make some hack joke about, uh, the gun, you know, gun laws or something like that. So 
don't do that. Just because it's not like, I mean, look, it's, it is what it is. The whole situation. I don't have an opinion on it. It's just sad all around. It sucks. Yeah. You should have, you should have, you should have, would have, could have. All right. We think that all the time, but you, you can't cause you'll go crazy. So whatever it is, what it is. It's sad. He looked, I don't know. He looked fine. He looked what I, as I expected. He was super nice. Nice dude. Made some, you know, just like good. It was fun. He'll be back next year. That's exciting. Um, but we also sell like we sell trees to all walks of life in Manhattan, mostly uh, wealthy people because <laughs> they're in Manhattan. And I mean, we sell a lot of students too, right by NYU. We smell to sell sell small trees as well. My point being is like, you know, it's an extremely lucrative business, and seasonal businesses can be like that. Now it's hard work, and, and all the guys pull their weight. And but it's it's like I compare it to crab fishing. It's like, hey man, if you can go through this gauntlet, you're gonna walk away with a nice check, you know. Like even our tip outs are, I don't even want to say what they are on this show. So it's like, you know, it's, it's good. And so my point being is like, you don't have to just not having multiple income streams throughout the year is how you can really get ahead of yourself. And that's someone coming from like, I was even telling someone at the tree stand the other day. They're like asking about this whole business. They're kind of opening their eyes a little bit. And I was like, yeah, man, I used to be an accountant. And like, I, I make more now than when I was an accountant. So now, if I stayed in that accounting career, I'd probably would have progressed up the ladder. I would imagine and probably would be making more. But, you know, for the first few years of my career in accounting, I'm, I'm definitely making more of that now, even inflation adjusted. So it's like, whatever, dude, I live a much more, I mean, much more enjoyable life than going into an office. It's why I love traveling. It's why I'm, I mean, I'm blessed to have the job that I have and, and be able to travel and do everything. But I just wanted to go through that kind of in a in a, a bit just because I think people see things and they go like, Oh, well, how's this work? Is he just blowing through cash or is he like, what is this? Is it family money? No. I mean, my parents worked hard and did well for themselves, but they did well. It doesn't mean it's my money. They got, it's their money, you know? So it's like, I'm not going out on a parent's credit card or something. I'm not, no trust fund kids, shit like that. But like I said, rich friends, lean on your rich friends, at least for things like that. Like I don't, I would never call a, a wealthy friend of mine for rent money or for like a, Hey man, can you give me some gas money or pay for my growth? Whatever, you know, I'm like, not for that. I'm not trying to get that paid bills. But like, if we're going to a fancy restaurant with a friend of mine who's worth millions, Hey man, you're paying, I'll pay the tip or something, you know, I'll throw in a few bucks and I do reciprocate every once in a while. I'll buy them a dinner, this or that, you know, it is what it is, but that's the whole point of like doing well. If you can do, if you can be successful like that, you know, spread the wealth. And, and the people that do that for me, I know it's, they enjoy it too, or they wouldn't do it. So moving on, um, like I said, Hey man, markets are taking a shit. We took last week off on this show just because I've been so busy in New York and then getting ready to fly to Palm Springs flew here on, um, Monday, Monday afternoon. So it's just been, uh, you know, a really busy time. Haven't had much time for anything, uh, other than, going out to nice dinners and lunches, you know, we got to get the good stuff. We got to get the good food. But other than that, it's been busy. So, which is good because markets have been kind of taking a shit. So it's been nice to kind of be distracted, but they recovered big time today, big time. Uh, basically after the fed meeting where they signaled that they're going to be doing, uh, the rate hike next year. And I think they said they're going to do as many as three next year. So they weren't going to, they kept saying how they weren't going to do that. Uh, but I like this this move because we need to chill out this inflation. Can't just be uh, going down this road for forever. Um, let's see. Fed's going to slow down their buying back of bonds like that. So you see it kind of uh, how markets turned. I mean, I think the, the NASDAQ was down 100 and some points at some point today. 
Uh, same with the uh, the Dow, and then they both have closed well up. The Dow closed up 383, Nasdaq 327, S&P uh, 75. So pretty much across the board, well, the Dow was up a, a 1%, and then the Nasdaq and S&P 500 were both up like 2%, roughly. NVIDIA, I remember, man, I almost loaded up on more NVIDIA today. It was down to like 270-something, went up to 305, <laughs> 304 to close. So it's just funny how, it, again, it just goes to show you like, Markets love to keep teaching lessons. It never never stops teaching you lessons in that way where it's like even if I had multiple friends text me at market close today being like, shit, I knew I should have bought today. I knew I should have done this. And I think they were buying a little bit, but kind of waiting like I'll wait another day, see what happens. But when that that Fed meeting was coming up, it's like every time this this has been happening for months where there'll be a Fed meeting, um, things will be a little hectic leading up to it. There'll be all this fear mongering leading up to it. Then the meeting will happen. Maybe they'll, like lately there's been a crash afterwards because they kept for so long, they kept saying how they weren't going to increase the rate hikes and that was going to keep rising inflation. And so it was hurting a lot of the tech stocks that I hold. And I'm sure most of the people in this that listen to this show hold. So it was really starting to mess those things up. But now with those rate hikes, we're going to see a little chilling out of inflation. Hopefully, at least it's, it's showing that so far. I mean, immediately I went from I mean, being down a few percent to being up a few percent. So completely swung the other way today. And I have been buying, you know, the biggest stock in my portfolio has been taking the hit. I mean, my biggest holding is still Tesla. I have been buying Tesla the last week. I put it on my uh, stories and all that stuff. And so Square, of course, I keep talking about Square for forever, taking a big hit. All fintechs are. But when you it's I said uh, in the last show that they've already they were in over, oversold territory in the in the 200s in the low uh uh like 190s i thought it was oversold so at 173 even having a little bit of pop today definitely oversold i'm gonna try to i've been buying it on the way down i've been holding out for a little bit because i want to see where the bottom is first i want to see some life come back in it before i add some more shares and to be honest i have enough square shares at this point i may maybe a few more but i i'm i'm confident with the amount that i have i'm comfortable with it for the time being so not really why I'm going crazy with it. I did add more Palo Alto Networks. Like I said, added more Tesla at 950, added Apple, Went raised my cost average on Apple. I finally bit the bullet and said, fuck it. Added more at 170 something, just because I feel like this is kind of be, this might be one of your, uh, one of the last spots to pick up some Apple before they go on a, a little bit of a pump here. They tend to go trade sideways for a year after a split. Apple's had a pretty decent year still considering. Uh, but I think that next year they're going to have a really big year just because they're finally bringing out some new products, the augmented reality goggles. Like I've heard rumors of them going away with the iPhones and they just want to go all into the augmented reality goggles. Kind of freaks me out as someone who's slow to adapt to technology. Again, the irony of that, the fact that I have all my money in tech and I'm not really a big fan of tech. But, you know, like I say, I'm not going to beat them. So I might as well make my money. Give me my cut. Also pick up some more Airbnb today. And reason being, I really like this kind of thing. Uh, again, we always talk about like strategic partnerships and, and those kind of things. Um, the CEO of Square, well, I guess I should say Block. I should stop calling it Square. Block now, officially. Block CFO, Chief Financial Officer. Amrita Ahuya. I, don't, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She joins the Airbnb board of directors. So two companies, two disruptive companies I've been a big fan of. Square I've had for a few years. Airbnb I bought on IPO day almost exactly a year ago today. Uh, I caught, And I bought some more today. So hey, lovely. 
168, we'll take it. I think that Airbnb is going to keep doing its thing. It's like, hey, the Omicron, uh, Omicron, oh, there it is, yeah. The Omicron variant, I mean, I don't know. We're going to keep doing this circle. I'm not saying COVID is, I'm not, I'm not going to make a stance on COVID here. Like, I got my vax, you know, do your thing if you want. I don't give a shit if people are or not at this point, but um, it's... We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the, the Omicron. Um, but it seems like it's just one of those. It's it's It seems like this one, this variant's more contagious than the other ones. I mean, I play in fantasy football. I've been, I made the playoffs this week because I was able to go on a nice run because a lot of my players stayed healthy and a lot, a lot of other players did. Injuries, COVID, that kind of shit. Like 75 players, I think, in the NFL right now have COVID. ton of like, like a bunch of the Chicago Bulls players have it. So I, I don't know. I, you're hearing the stories about the hospitals again. Like, Again, I'm not I'm not like gonna sit here and make a whole thing about the COVID stuff, but what else are you gonna do with your money at this point? You know, what are you gonna do? Just hold in cash and hope for the best? It's just like I don't know. Your your best bet is just to keep just keep buying stocks, just keep dollar cost averaging as you can. Like everyone got taught a hard lesson in dollar cost averaging today by maybe getting a little too scared by the dips recently. And again, there were year end sell offs. That was my thing. I was kind of waiting for like I was thinking like. There might still be some selling off this week, but I'm hoping by next week it's done or just kind of tames out until we get into 2023 because I thought it was all it's this happens every year in, in late December, the year end sell offs, you know, everyone that made their like, especially Tesla, you're seeing Elon sell stock to pay his taxes for his uh, his gains um, on his options that he can exercise next year because again, Elon has sold nearly 12 million shares of Tesla the past six weeks, but he's still going to come out ahead because he bought all these options. He sold the stock to pay the uh, income tax that he owed on those options from 2012. He made about $30 billion, 28 point something, I believe. And he had to pay tax on that, about $15 billion, sold nearly 12 million shares. But because he sold 12 million shares, he now has the option to get, I don't even know how many. Let's see if I can find it. It might be an Apple News Plus. Of course it is. But it's... It's Apple's premium news subscription that I don't pay for. But I guess what? I'm going to get it from my rich friend. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to think about that right about now. Uh, I might have to send him a text real quick. So, but again, sold 12 million. He's going to have more shares that he can get next summer. Next August, I think he gets even more shares. So again, it's just funny to me how this has become like such a, a news cycle with Elon selling these shares when it's like, yo guys, this concept isn't that difficult to get. Okay. He's paying tax on the options. He now has the option to get more shares. Okay. That's why it's called options for Christ. They can't, it's amazing. It's amazing how much, um, like people, it, it takes for stuff to sink in. Like I said, bought more Palo Alto. I'm big on cybersecurity. I keep recommending the book, uh, the cyber arms race. This is how the world ends by Nicole Perlroth, I believe. Check it out. If you have 20 bucks to burn on Amazon, check it out. It's a super entertaining read. It'll make you want to get more into buying like Google stock and Palo Alto networks or just any cybersecurity stock in particular. I was talking to a friend this week who's big on CrowdStrike. I'm not big about it. I've said my piece about it where I think I thought it was overvalued. Um, I still think Palo Alto's again, it's one of those things like I like Palo Alto. It's what I know. I think it has a better value play than CrowdStrike. But again, you're not going to lose money with CrowdStrike either way. So it's like, I just like Palo Alto more myself. It's what I know. Uh, and they were named in Intuit listed. Um, oh, wait. Intuit listed among top 22 picks at Mizuho. Oh, yeah. That's a big um, like research firm. You'll see Mizuho put out like price targets a lot. So... Uh, 
No, it wasn't Intuit. It was Twilio, Palo Alto Networks, and Intuit listed among top 22 picks at Mizuho, um, which is dope. I mean, I keep saying this, how you know, cybersecurity is not going to slow down. And a lot of the buy ratings, a lot of, like most of the ratings on Palo Alto right now are at buys. And a lot of the price targets are north of 600. Now, it took a fat pop today. It went, it went up th- almost 30 bucks a share to $540 a share. So it took a nice jump today. But a lot of the price targets are in the sixes. And again, don't let that price, don't let that stock price scare you because the market cap is still only $53 billion. When we compare that to even, let's say, Square, you know, Square is $80 billion. Airbnb is 106. So you can kind of give you a gauge of that uh, versus the big boys, the Tesla, Amazon, Apple, you know, the trillion caps. So um, what else? What else we want to talk about here? Got Airbnb. Again, they're going to keep, uh, I keep bouncing all over the place here. And I'd been keeping an eye on Airbnb stock for a while, but I finally bought, I bought more today just because I feel like it's a good price. And because of that block CFO joining the board of directors, I like seeing that. Um, I like seeing that just brings more legitimacy to Airbnb. Not that I need it to have. I, I just believe in it being a textbook disruptive company. They're going to take over the massive travel industry. I think it even like I've said this in earlier episodes, um, maybe like a year ago, I was talking about how what I really liked about Airbnb. And if you see the um, uh, even the YouTube segment that we did on it, I like how I, I think eventually Airbnb will be like landlords. Like they're going to eventually be like, hey, you can rent this Airbnb for six months, for a year. It can be like like long term permanent Airbnbs. It'll just be a segment of their business. I'm like looking forward to when they add that to their to their services. I know that's coming. And just one thing in general, what I really love, like, when you really see like the companies are going to become like massive, massive companies, like the truly big caps, like the trillion dollar plus companies, they become that because they're so good at adapting what they what they can offer. Like, for example, I don't invest in Starbucks anymore. It's an example I use a lot. I don't invest in Starbucks anymore because what can they do? Yes, they can open more Starbucks. Yes, they can make the app. Yes, they can make it easier to order. They can do online. They can find ways to sell more coffee. But ultimately, that's their business. Coffee and food. It's restaurant shit, right? That's ultimately what their business is. They can't... like Starbucks is never going to start selling phones. Or uh, they're never going to start selling like a service, right? They're never going to start selling like cloud services. Or you know, making laptops or shoot clothing. They're never going to expand their, their company. That's why I love these. That's why companies like Apple are able to get so big is because they can add new product lines under their umbrella. Like Apple going from Apple computer in 08 to Apple being like, Hey, we're just going to be like, we're just going to make everything cool tech that you want. That's what our company does now. We're not just laptops, not just iPhones. We're going to make headphones. We're going to make these air tags. We're going to make augmented reality goggles. I'm so, I wouldn't be surprised if they made TVs at some point. I mean, we have Apple TV. They're also a streaming service. They're working on the Apple car. There's so many things they do that they can expand their business, you know? So I like seeing that's why when, when companies can do that, that's when you see massive, massive growth, you know, Google being like, a search engine, but they're also using that to be like, okay, now we can provide cloud services and now we can sell advertisements on all this stuff. Like they can quickly add on to what they can do. Um, so that's when you see these companies, how they can make so much damn money. Um, and by acquiring stuff too, like Amazon going from being a bookstore to now selling everything online to being a streaming service, to being a grocery store. Cause they have acquired whole foods. Now you're seeing Amazon fresh locations pop up all over. 
I mean, this is what this is like seeing companies that can do this. That's why even though Square, you know, Block is taking a, a big hit right now, what I've loved about seeing them over the last year, year plus, is how quickly they've adapted their business to the environment and how forward-thinking Jack Dorsey is and seeing like, okay, I'm going to add this, add this. They have a banking charter. And if you're a big fan of billions on Showtime like me, you know how fucking important it is for uh, someone like Block to have a banking charter. The whole season, season five of Billions, like that whole thing is based on Bobby Axelrod trying to get a banking charter, a billionaire fund manager. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Billions, watch that shit. If you like this show, you'll fucking love Billions. So get on that. Get a free trial if you can on Showtime and just watch Billions. There's five seasons. Paul Giamatti, he's great. Damian Lewis, good actor. He's got a small mouth, which always is distracting to me. But that's just me being a dick. He's a good actor. But Paul Giamatti is I love Paul Giamatti and like everything he does. Even that dumb movie he did with Frankie Muniz. I don't even remember what it was called, but I'm like, yeah, Paul, get your paycheck, get your, get your, make sure you get your SAG insurance this year. I get it. Whatever. He's great. The, when he did the John Adams movie, fuck that was not movie. The miniseries in HBO. God, he was good in that. Um, and he's really good, really good on, on billions and just a great show. So well-written. If you like this subject matter that we talk about in the show, you're really going to love billions. And it is like, I also just started watching Succession on HBO. I'm one show in. Oh, by the way, our tree business always sells a tree to Kieran Culkin, who plays Roman on the show. So, hey, that's cool. Um, there's a few people who actually sell trees, too, that are that are quite famous. Like Alec Baldwin now, Cynthia Nixon, Kieran Culkin, some SNL folks. Um, here we go. But what was I talking about? Oh, Succession and Billions. Watch. So... I think Billions is more, is a smarter show so far. I've only watched one episode of Succession, but I'm like, oh, I see why this is going to have more appeal than Billions. Like Billions won't speak to everybody, especially if you're not into like investing stuff. And like, it'll really kind of, you have there's, there's times where like, I could see where if you didn't know more about finance, it might be not as enjoyable. I'm not saying you can't understand the show, but there are, there's certain times where they're like, there's intri- intricacies where you're like, oh, I know what they're doing. We're, even myself, I like rewatched episodes and like I didn't miss I missed something and caught it again the next time. Like, oh shit, there that was really like kind of like an advanced topic they're talking about. And everyone was funny when the short squeeze stuff happened with AMC and uh, GameStop. Like everyone was writing to Brian Koppelman, the creator uh, and showrunner, writer of Billions on Twitter, being like, "Do an episode." He's like, "Dude, we did this like three years ago. I think in season two, one of the early seasons, they do an episode about a short squeeze." But if you haven't seen those shows, definitely watch it. It'll also help you understand markets a little bit better and kind of how, like, you know, I, I think one of the best things about just, like, TV shows and just, I'm you know, fiction stories is, like, hey, what is fiction if not to tell the truth, right? Like, I know they're not real stories, but they're telling truth, right? Just like billions. It's not a real thing, but, like, they're they're basing this on real shit. And I, I, I haven't looked into this, but I, there's gotta be someone that works in finance. There's gotta, of course there's consultants on the show now, but like there's gotta be someone behind that initially who like has a, a background in that kind of like if you watch, um, Silicon Valley on HBO by Mike judge, like clearly he worked in that and he did, I think he worked in tech. I frown over the years, but he worked in tech in Silicon Valley before he got into, uh, making King of the Hill and Office Space and all these dope um, movies, TV shows. Mike Judge is amazing. Silicon Valley is a great show. But clearly someone in that worked in, in, in finance. Um, but I digress. I'm not going to get healthy food. Well, I'll try to get healthy food tomorrow. I'm going to get a burrito on delivery because I got a delivery 
burrito delivered here last night. We're in Southern California. People know, hey, man, get the Mexican food. It's amazing. I also, just a side note, it's annoying to me when I get a order from restaurants. I tell people what to get, and they don't get it, and they're disappointed. I'm like, hey, man, the California burrito at this place is dope. Go get it with carne asada. And I'm like, like, oh, hey, I went to your restaurant you recommended. and I don't know. It wasn't that good. I'm like, what would you get? Um, I got a shrimp plate. Okay, well, that's not on me. That's not, I'm not taking responsibility for that. I didn't tell you to order like an idiot, okay? I told you what to get. I told you what I get, and I said it was dope. I'm not taking responsibility for the whole goddamn menu. I specifically said what I got. If you want to deviate from that and not take my 11-plus years of burrito experience in Southern California, then go for it. It's on you. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and order that because I got a door dashed here last night with a couple of friends because getting DoorDash delivered to a Ritz-Carlton is cheaper than even like cashews in the room. So yeah, I'll go ahead and get the $12, $14 burrito delivered. Thank you very much. And I'll do it again tomorrow. Okay. That's the plan. So, and hopefully tomorrow, you know, I'm hoping that today wasn't just a, a one day thing to pop after this Fed decision, just like this manipulation to be like, all right, cool. Let's, let's go ahead and just buy everything up and then tank it all again tomorrow. I mean, we've seen this happen before. I'm hoping that's not the case, but, um, you know, we'll see. I think we're going to have a, like, again, I, th- I think that the sell-offs for the year end tax benefits, whether it be for a lot of funds getting their, their, their holdings back to 10%. Like when you look at a lot of these stocks, again, a lot of the growth stocks were taking bigger hits this year or not this year, this last couple of weeks, because they went up so high this year. So it's like the stocks that did the best kind of had the most pain because they're getting they're the ones that are getting chopped and trimmed the most in these bigger funds for their year end, whether it be um, long term gains or selling at losses to get tax benefits or, you know, carry forward, whatever it might be doing all that year end stuff, that year end reshuffling. And like last year, we saw it as well in late December. And then in January, February, we saw the market get too ahead of itself because everyone saw the money people were making in 2020, saw that come down and go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go hard. And January just got ahead of itself like crazy. And then we had a rough late February, March, April, May, basically. Um, And then it kind of started to turn around. So, you know, things I picked up during this last, like I said, Palo Alto Networks, Tesla, I loaded up on some Apple. I want to get my account to like 20, 25% Apple, if not more. My account's 45% Tesla, I think at this point. Um, like 40, yeah, between 40 and 45% Tesla. I think just as a base rule, all accounts like that I, that I would hold and manage should have a 25% Apple at least. I don't have 25% Apple in my portfolio yet. I will get there soon. That's why I bought Apple this week. And I want to try to get more before it goes back over 200 post split. And it hasn't done that yet. It hasn't done that yet. It's been over 200 before it split, obviously. But I'm hoping that post the split, it goes over 200 uh, as these new products come out and, and we start to see them add, just add more uh, revenue opportunities. So 25% Tesla, I think, should be in every portfolio. And then because then it gives you a good solid base of like a growth, uh, not a growth stock. I mean, Apple is a growth stock. Even though it's a three trillion dollar company, I still see it as a growth stock, which is hilarious and says a lot about Apple, to be honest with you, in my own conviction and belief in the company. So, um, yeah, that does say, that does say a lot, a lot about them. So get that base in your portfolio if you don't have it, just because then you can kind of start picking stuff and you can kind of like be not crazy, but if you take some hits, you know that you have a solid long-term consistent grower. That's not going to really, you know, hurt you. So 
I want to do that. I, I, that's the first thing I did when I took over some of my parents' money, or, you know, immediately took uh, 20% and put it in Apple. First thing I did. So I'm going to start doing that to, um, uh, to my portfolio as well. And I'd recommend the same. Again, just like everything, we'll add that bullshit disclaimer like, hey, don't take this advice, even though that's every YouTuber podcaster. It's like, hey, you're giving out advice, you wouldn't no one would fucking listen to you. But for legal reasons, you know, do your you know, do your research, do your due diligence. I always say it because it's like do your research because when you when you believe in it for your own reasons, then you'll have more conviction when things hit the fan. You're not gonna be like, Well, well this guy said and I don't know, and I I'm lost. But if you do it for your own reasons, you're like, No, this is fine. It's temporary. It's going to come back up. I know it because I believe in it for these reasons. And now I'm just going to get it at a discount. I picked up Spotify. Spotify was one that I came in at the wrong time. I bought it a little high, but then kind of started buying it again in like April into May. And so got better prices and then got my best price on it recently at like 220, 224. And the reason I did that is I still just believe in Spotify's long-term business model. It reminds me of early, early Netflix where they're paying a bit more than people would imagine for exclusive uh, podcasting, but that's where a lot of their big revenue is coming in now is podcast revenue. And so I feel like they're just, and again, like Netflix, like streaming is here to stay. Streaming music is going to be here to stay. Like people, now that I have a premium Spotify account, I couldn't imagine not having one. I couldn't imagine not having a premium Spotify account. Just can't do it. It would just, I, it'd be, the, it's the best $9 you can spend every month or 10, whatever it is. And you can pay more for like a premium audio, I think, or nicer audio, whatever. So I still think that there's, that's just Spotify is a, a good market leader in that segment. And then also I've seen a couple of big fund managers that I like to follow. Again, I don't follow anyone implicitly and you shouldn't either, me included. But um, like I saw Baron, uh, Ron Barron buying it up and he's, he tends to be early on those uh, disruptive companies. So that that gave me a little more conviction. I know Kathy Wood and Ark have been on it early as well. They but knowing her, she probably sold it for fucking Roku or something. Again, this is I I, I don't understand why she bought more Roku. Like Roku is like I still have like literally two shares. I think I had I, I can't remember how many I had when I sold at like four hundred, but because I was accumulating quite a bit early last year, and then that was one of the early ones when things hit the fan. That was when I got out of while I still was ahead because I was like, nope, I'm taking this money out, and then I kept two shares in my short account. Because just just to have it in case it continued to roll up, just because I didn't want FOMO, basically it's the only reason why I kept them, and they're down like <laughs> over fifty percent now. But whatever, it's only two shares, so kind of annoying. But Kathy Wood keeps buying the dip on Roku, which is crazy to me because I know they're getting some like they partnered with Amazon and some stuff recently. But it's like they have such a replaceable business model, and they're not they can't afford to make their own content. Like, is Roku going to be able to afford to compete with Netflix and Apple TV? Like no fucking way or Amazon like they have their pocketbooks aren't near as deep. So I don't know how they're going to do it. They did get a deal on the uh, they bought the Quibi content library for dollar pennies on the dollar. But even that was like not that good of stuff because it's like, hey, the reason Quibi failed is because they had shit content that no one wanted. So you bought it. But it was like, yeah, you paid a deal for something no one wants. It's like, I don't know. It's like, pay, yeah, it's like getting a deal on a, on a broken car. It's like, cool, but I, this isn't going to help me. So we'll, we'll see <laughs> where that leads to. Um, but for me, I just, I don't, I don't see it going. I, I just, it's such a replaceable business model where it's like now a lot of these TVs have all the integration with all the apps. So it's like, you don't need to buy the Roku stick. Roku's had a tough time making their channel go with advertising because of their, their number, their um, users dropping. And so it's like, I don't know, man, you can buy the dip, but it's like even Kathy buying it, I don't trust it as much. And it's why like 
I, I said before, I almost say it every episode now, why I'm not in the ETFs because I don't want to be married to all of her decisions. Like I like a lot of her picks, no doubt, but I don't want to be married to all the decisions she's making. Like she bought more Coinbase. She bought more Roku, more Twilio. Twilio people keep talking about. I, maybe I'll look into that for next week. I'll, I'll do some research on Twilio. But um, that's one that I, I people can, I keep seeing pop up more and more. And I need to do my due diligence for it. But I, that's the one that's, that I've noticed some people picking up and some people I respect. And because, um, again, I read everything, trust nothing. It's something I always say. But that's one that I've been seeing in more articles and circles I trust. I don't have any holding in it yet, but I'll look into it. Coinbase, I, I, I go back and forth on. I'm like, oh, this is good. But then I just feel like. It is it's another business model that's very replaceable where like even Square slash Block, you know, Block is building a big a decentralized uh, crypto exchange, which is what Coinbase is. So it's like Coinbase is doing well for now, but they're going to lose a lot of market share to other to uh, to other um, services because everyone's building crypto stuff now. It's just it's become too big to ignore to ignore. Now some people say like, oh, what's it based on? Like, what do people it's like, dude, it's not. I mean, the money in your pocket is just, at the end of the day, it's rag paper with dye on it. So it's like, I mean, Bitcoin's at least a finite uh, asset. You know, it's, it's the only finite asset that I can think of with that kind of... Tri it's the only finite asset with more than a trillion market cap. There we go. That's a fact. So take that home with you. That's pretty legit. It's the only asset class that has over a trillion cap that's finite in supply. Say it all the time. You can print more cash. You can mine more gold. You can mine more diamonds, whatever. But Bitcoin ends at 21 million Bitcoins. That's done. And I think 90% are already mined. And then past that, it's like, hey, what do people want to sell them for? And guess what? People aren't really into selling their Bitcoin much anymore. When you look at like the Bitcoin wallets, like a lot of the money has been held for more than a year. People aren't into the business of selling their Bitcoin that much anymore. The altcoins I can't speak for. But I always talk about how I don't really get into those much. But when it comes to Bitcoin, more and more wallets are holding for longer because they're getting it and more and more big money is behind it. So you can doubt it, but oftentimes it's boomers that are doing it. So anytime like I see even like, you know, older generations making good smart moves, they'll be like, I see boomers that have Apple and Google and Amazon. I'm like, okay, so you get it. And then they're like, ah, oh, but Bitcoin's trash. I'm like, oh, yep, still a boomer. So you know, if someone shits like if a lot of the amount of parents who have cost their children money by telling them to not buy Bitcoin is crazy. Like a lot of some of these people should be ashamed, ashamed of themselves <laughs> for telling their kids not to get into Bitcoin. And also, if you don't know something, why are you telling people yes or no? You shouldn't say definitively no or yes on anything. You know what the fuck you're talking about. I wouldn't tell someone not to do something if I have no idea what it is. I also wouldn't tell them to do it. Just stay neutral. It's one of the biggest problems with like people and just society in general right now. Is everyone wants to have an opinion on everything. It's like, you don't have to. There's a lot of stuff I know, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And I think being able to say when you do and when you don't is also intelligence in itself. But people won't, don't want to admit it because they want to seem right all the time. And no one is. Most people are idiots. Most people are idiots. We all know this. End on this happy note of telling, saying everyone's an idiot. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. 10% of people know what they're doing in any given industry. Lawyers, doctors, finance, accountants. 10% actually know. Plumbers, electricians, doesn't have to be, you know, anything. Mechanics. You have shitty mechanics, you have great mechanics. 10% are good, 90% are phoning it in and just running a grift. I think that's true of like every fucking industry. Teachers. 10% are gems, right? 
90% should be in jail. <laughs> All of my family are teachers. So let's see if they listen to this show. Let's see how many texts I get this week. All right. Have a good one.